And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Thank you for being with me. We uh, return to our feature, Social Science Apologetics, where we take a look at some of the findings in the world of the social sciences that confirm what we know uh, as part of the Catholic faith. With me right now, Dr. Gregory Popcheck. He's also executive director of Pastoral Solutions Institute, the author of more than a dozen books. And daily you hear Greg and his wife, Lisa, co-hosting More to Life on Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. You can follow his work at catholiccounselors.com. Greg, good to have you with me. Great to be here, Al. Thank you. One of the things that uh, I, when I was writing Dangerous to the Faith, I did a chapter on relativism, and in that chapter, I came across uh, a work by Donald Brown, University of California, uh, Santa Barbara, where he found over 300 unvarying patterns of behavior, including moral beliefs, uh, that comprise uh, features of just about every culture, society, language that he's been able to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, have we moved away from the old cultural relativism of Margaret Mead, uh, and now we are looking at uh, a, a certain type of universal morality? Well, that is what a new study uh, by Oxford University would suggest. Um, I think our culture, very much so, is seeing um, kind of a heyday of moral relativism and the idea that truth and morality is what we say it is. Uh, you know, traditionally, that's called co- social contract theory. Basically, the idea that whatever we agree is moral will be moral, right, right. Uh, and whatever we decide is is not moral. Is you know, we, you know, but that's just a matter of voting on it. It's not a matter of any moral absolutes or rules that are kind of built into our nature. Well, a new study by anthropologists at the University of Oxford uh, took a look at um, 60 societies uh, and looked at um, they're, they're, those societies' writings and uh, uh, teachings on moral behavior, uh, they looked over at over 600 sources, uh, comprising over 600,000 words. Wow. <laughs> uh, and out of that, they drew seven universal moral principles that every society appears to agree on with no deviations from culture to culture. How, how many features? Seven. Seven. Okay, it's a nice number. <laughs> um, and and so, what would those be? Because they, well, other people yeah. have tried to draw up lists like this, or you know, what are? I mean, I even think uh, Martin Seligman, who did you know positive psychology, came up with six. So tell me what these seven are. So the number one is I've got help your family. Number two, help your group. Three is divide resources fairly. Four is return favors. Uh, five, be brave. Uh, six is respect others' property, and seven is actually defer to your superiors. Wow. Go through those again. Yeah. Uh, help your family. Mm-hmm. Help your group. Divide resources fairly. Return favors. Be brave. Respect others' property. And defer to superiors. Interesting. Um, defer to superiors. That one interests me um, mm. because... I wonder what what is meant by that. I mean, the superiors that requires some kind of social order that you're right. aware of. I mean, is is that would would honoring your father go under you know 
uh, deferring to superiors. Yes, um, you know, so so who, who those people who are in charge of the society, whether those people are, are in charge of your you know your family or your uh, your your group, the, the the social setting that you're in, uh, the the presumption being that those people are there. Uh, to serve the common good, and that deferring to their authority works for uh, what kind of def- goes back to one of the earlier rules of helping your group and doing what's best for your family and those kinds of things. Um, what this study? This is a this is a significant study. I mean, huge. Um, how how many years did, was it in the making? As I said, it went over several years, and it looked at 60 different societies um, and, and examined 600 sources of moral teaching in those different societies. So this was a huge project. Yeah, I, it sounds uh, really comprehensive. What's interesting, what I thought was interesting about this, though, that, that besides those seven cooperative behaviors um, that were always considered morally good, there were no examples where a society said those things were were bad in some way or that they were not good in any way, that these were somehow hardwired into uh, people on a basic level and, and, and then expressed in the relationships within these very, very different cultures. I mean, they were looking at everything from well-established Western cultures to uh, tribal cultures right. uh, in, in, in you know the Maasai, for example, sure. the, Ma- the Amara people of Ethiopia. So um, there's no cultural know. diffusion of these principles. These these prop up independently of one another. That's right. And regardless of how technologically advanced a society yeah. is or how nomadic it might be or whatever its cultural context is, these moral rules kept coming up over and over and over and over and over again. This is really a devastating blow to the idea of moral relativism. You know, I, this, I'm anxious to see what the response will be to this, because in many ways I suspect that moral relativists um, don't really have, uh, don't really, first of all, it's difficult to live as a relativist, right? I mean, because... Relatively you, speaking, yeah. <laughs> You expect oh. people... I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you expect... We all expect people to behave according to certain principles that are, you know, we presuppose. Don't, you know, if somebody tries to step in front of you in a line, right? Right. You say, mm-hmm. wait, that's not right. That's not fair. Well, what the heck do you mean by fairness there? Why can't I step in front of you? Nobody says, well, <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to step in front of you in the line anyways because I just want to. Yeah. Everybody knows there's something wrong with that. Well, and, and you're, what you're pointing to is something that we all know, call, the Catholic call natural law. Right, right. right. Uh, Jay Bujashevsky has a great book, he's a philosopher, who has a great book called Things You Can't Not Know. Right. And that's sort of how he defines natural law. The idea that there are just certain things that are wired in us that we know from, from their, on a very basic level from almost the beginning of life that, that these things are bad and these things are good. And, you know, traditionally Catholics have referred to that as natural law and that idea of natural law has kind of taken some beating over the years, um, and, and especially you know, David Hume was a philosopher in the 18th century that, that proposed what he called the is-ought problem, mm-hmm. that said, you know, you could just because you could describe that something happens in nature doesn't mean that you can derive moral principles from right. that, and that's really the basis for this whole idea of moral relativism. But when you look at data like this, you really see the, the science stacking up behind moral universalism, the, the idea that there are moral absolutes and that natural law does 
uh, insinuate itself into every situation and every culture, regardless of that context. Do we have examples of tribes, cultures, societies that reward things like um, um, double crossing, uh, double dealing, betraying, lying? Uh, well, the, the, nothing that rewards it. In fact, uh, in, what they what they find is that uh, that every culture says that that is a bad thing to do. Right. There's there's absolutely no example where any culture says that, you know, double dealing or betraying people or not returning favors or violating family obligations or not deferring to authority is is in some way good. <laughs> it is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> when you think. That uh, this idea of uh, relativism has taken root in so many people's um, imagination. Uh, again, I don't think people can live uh, a relativistic lifestyle because uh, if you get rid of the Ten Commandments, you'll establish some other commandments um, by which you must live. And um, where are they? Where do they think this study is going to go? In other words, this yeah. is something which settles a long-standing philosophical debate. Does, are they willing to say that this settles a long-standing philosophical uh, debate? Yeah, actually, the, the researchers actually came out and said pretty much that, that uh, the quote from the lead author of the study says, the debate between moral universalists and moral relativists have raged for centuries, but now we have some answers. People everywhere face a similar set of social problems and use a similar set of moral rules to, re- uh, to resolve them. Um, and 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 so I mean that's that, as I said, it's a pretty devastating blow to the idea of moral relativism. Now, where they want to go with this, what they found was that different societies may have different um, orderings of the priorities right, right. of these universal seven rules. That's right. And so they want to do additional research to sort of see what what's responsible for those variations. You know, because some groups might say, you know, helping your family is the most important moral rule, while these other six are important, but. Uh, you know, maybe somehow less important. Uh, other societies will have a different ordering of these seven principles, but those seven principles are always there. So future research is going to look at why a particular culture might value one set of rules over another. Uh, but but it's pretty well established at this point, though, that, uh, that that there are universal moral rules that guide human behavior and social interaction regardless of your cultural context. Yeah. You know, this is something which has been known and assumed by uh, sophisticated uh, researchers in the, f- in the field of missionary anthropology, um, mm. because Christian missionaries going into various cultures now for centuries have had to uh, generate a great deal of data. The Jesuits did it uh, in Canada, with one of the earliest uh, to do it. But evangelical missionaries, Catholic missionaries have for many years uh, gathered data like this and they've operated with the idea that there is some universal moral principles. They do recognize that they are emphasized differently. Asian cultures have certain emphases uh, that we may not have in um, in the United States or in Western Europe. But uh, again, missionaries have always presumed that there's some kind of natural law, some sort of universal moral code that people have an awareness that they don't live up to. And that, of course, is one reason they need the gospel. Uh, and well, and that's and that's where relativists would come in and say, well, you know, that's just cultural imperialism. And so, you know, the, obviously there must be different ways of relating it. And, and this study really proves that false. Right. That, that it proves that the, what you were saying, the, the assumption of those courageous missionaries, 
uh, were correct, that, that people in different cultures uh, will see uh, these moral truths out, and uh, that, that, that adhering to those moral principles consistently leads to human flourishing and social flourishing as well. Now, was this just published? Yes, it okay. just came out um, in the journal Current Anthropology, the brand new issue there. So All right. Good, well, good bathroom reading for everybody. <laughs> right, right. Well, and no doubt there'll be, there'll be response to it, so we'll talk in the future about it, Greg. Thanks. Uh, all right, Al. God bless. Thank you. Dr. Gregory Popcheck. again, this is, this is quite a remarkable uh, finding, and we will return to it to unpack it because there's a lot here. But it's good news for those of us who have maintained that there is something called a universal moral law or natural law. I'm Al Cresta.